Hey now, say now, you're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. We are here in the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon. My guys are back, D-Boy and Spencer Shea. What's hey, happening, fellas? Yo. What's up with it? What's up, man? Hey, man, what's going on? Chilling. What's going on? Chilling. I'm not chilling because there's too much going on, a whole lot going on, so we might as well kick it off with some announcements here, and first and foremost... I'm a gym rat, man. You can't keep me out the gym. I'm looking forward to another season. I guess you can call it a semi-season, um, but it is a season nonetheless. I will be calling games starting tomorrow for the men's and the women's basketball teams at Pacific University. So definitely excited for that. It's interesting. As it should be, man. As it, as should, as it should be, be. absolutely. It I love being be, able man. to stay connected to my alma mater and to the school that I went to, but also... You know, this season, this year, obviously, has been very unorthodox, being that we're in this pandemic. So usually I'm used to just being very slammed, doing like four to six games a week during the months of November to March, obviously, because that's when college basketball season is. And I've been going back and forth, commentating both teams at Pacific, commentating at Portland State. So I'm like really, really busy during those months. But it's been cool because... I've been able to scale back a little bit of that busy because essentially these seasons are getting <laughs> staggered out because Portland State, being that they were Division One, was able to have a season starting in November and Pacific University has not. So they'll just be starting their season tomorrow. I'll be calling the women's game against Northwest University. And then next week I'll be covering the men's and obviously continuing to do the women's as well. So Instead of it being November to March, it'll just be November to May for me being in the gym calling these games, man. Yeah, it's pretty nice to, uh, you know, be a professional game spitter. On <laughs> <laughs> Real enemy, you, bro. <laughs> you did it, man. You achieved everyone's dream to be a professional game spitter. Hey, man, man. I, I talk my talk. I do what I do, but definitely looking forward to that. So if y'all want to check out those games, just head over to GoBoxers.com and you can easily make that happen. And that women's team is really good. I'm super excited for them. Last year, they had a historic season, making it to the postseason for the first time in a long time over at Pacific, and they were able to host a home court game during the conference tournament. It was really dope, and I'm really excited for the future of that team, and always excited to see what the men are going to go out and do. I think this is year three for Coach Lunt, so, you know, you just got to continue to build with those programs. But, yeah, it is cool to be a professional game spitter, man. <laughs> be able to just sit, put the headset on and talk about yeah, hoops, man. commentate games for a living. So I, I, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Also, um, many of you heard the episode last week, the last episode that we had here with Brian Hooks, which is obviously why us three took a bit of a break. Um, Great episode. Very appreciative of Brian Hooks for coming on the episode. But we did something a little different with that episode that we've never done before with this podcast. And we were able to take an excerpt from that Q or from that interview, I should say, and get it published in Q&A format in the Street Roots newspaper this week. So go out and purchase you a paper this week because we got a lot of important stuff in there. Um, we did an editorial about Portland Street response and basically demanding that the police bureau, the Portland Police Bureau, loosen its grip on Portland Street response during this year's police association contract negotiations. And so we'll actually talk a little bit more about Portland Street response later, just in a different form in regards to some things that's going on federally right now in relation to that. But um, 
yeah, Bree Hooks, man, we were able to get some of that interview in Q&A format in the paper. So it'll be cool to see, you know, the paper circulate through the city and folks be able to read an excerpt from that interview. And hopefully when you read that excerpt from that interview, you come right here and you listen to this very episode, that episode as well, whatever episode you want to listen to. But you come and listen to the Wake Up and Win podcast because obviously there's a little Wake Up and Win promotion in there as well. Um, let's see. I got a whole lot more, fellas. Um I love that Brian Hooks interview too. By the way, the podcast it's, it was, was so, so smooth. smooth. It was so smooth. I mean, he was really like. It's just nice to see a guy that's been through it for a, you know in like a really grindy way. What did he say? He said something that I was thinking about. He said uh, he was like, "Yeah, there's a lot of people in the industry that like starve waiting for like the industry to feed them." Yeah, and I was like, "Man, that's so like you know relevant for a lot of different things, like in any sort of business, you know, or just like." adapting complacency in in the way that you you know take care of your health or your business or whatever like it's easy to do that and and you know you got to get out go out and get it man i mean making a movie for what do you say like thirteen thousand dollars and turned around and uh made made like 800k yeah yeah crazy crazy and it's interesting it's (laughs) interesting you say that because that exact mentality um that exact way of going about things is actually how this podcast came about because i was interning in radio at the time and i wanted to ultimately get a radio show and become a radio host because clearly i enjoyed my internship and i decided from there that was the business that i wanted to pursue and wanted to stay in at least you know the broadcasting media journalism journalism industry so on and so forth but During that time, I had no experience as far as having a radio show, especially when it came to sports in particular. I did do some campus radio on the music aspect, and I was actually pitching myself to the hip-hop station at the time, too, for the company. But I remember pulling up at Pacific when you were doing the uh, the radio show. Vibing with Pounce, baby. Vibing with Pounce, I remember that. Yeah, y'all just now knowing the vibes. I've been vibing with Pounce since 2015. Now you're hearing everybody talking about You've been vibing with Pounce. Your whole life, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everybody talking about vibes. This, you know, the vibes. Oh, it's vibes, it's yeah, been man. Vibes. It's been vibes over <laughs> here, clearly. Because, yeah, that was my campus radio show at Pacific, and I, I play slaps, nothing yeah. but heat in there. Um, but yeah, going back to what I was saying though, from the sports angle, because I was pitching myself to the hip hop station and the sports station, because clearly I like intersectional things, and clearly I like to have options. I needed to start a podcast. So when the opportunity did present itself for me to have a radio show, this very podcast was basically like my demo. It was my my proof of concept. It was the work that I had done that I was able to give over to the execs over at Alpha Media at the time. And quite frankly, they bit and I was able to get a radio show. So definitely, you know, going back to that too, man, pulling yeah, up on Alpha Media. And just absolutely. Like when I first episode, started, first, dog. Yeah. They're just like, I'm about to do this. Uh, yeah, I'm about to edit this down. You want to come kick it? I'm like, yeah, man, I'll come see what's going on. Come down. kick it, man. Yeah. I had late night, 24 hour access. It That part I love, but we got 24 hour access here now, baby. Sometimes yeah, you just got to do what B Hook said yeah. and not let the industry starve you because it did starve me for a little bit after I was laid off and that was when I learned my lesson that okay I need to make sure that I got everything on my own because if 
an exec makes a decision that obviously isn't in my favor as that one wasn't because I got laid off for a minute. I really had nowhere to go to Yo, record. I'm trying to slap. I'm trying to slap episodes together. Yeah, we were in Berkeley. We were, yeah, yeah, we were, we were in your it, living you room recording yeah, episodes. Yeah, we was in Berkeley yeah. and got the call. Yeah, the and call. you called. He I called in, me, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, y'all yeah. were in Berkeley when yeah. I got yeah. laid off. Yeah, exactly. So it's like I know what it's like to be janky. That was janky. Oh man, it was so unexpected. We like, no, no way, no way. It was. We left the the place we were at. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's over. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, no, nah, man, that was what it was back then. And for a minute, we were doing anything to just slap episodes together. But now look at us. Got our own studio, recording our episodes out of our own studio. Still got 24-hour access. Growth. Growth. You know, we got other people that come in come here in and record, record. And, and rent out studio time from here. Blessings so, in disguise. Blessings no in doubt. disguise. The industry did not starve us. Well, it did for a second, but we bounced back and we did it the right you way. You fight better so, when you're hungry. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sure. Um, also, I got to give a, a big shout out to two of my guys, starting off with Orlando Sanchez over at KGW had me on um, not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before, I think it was. I'm so, everything's just coming Time together so I fast. I thought yesterday was Tuesday. Time yeah, as in everything. But anywho, I was on Sports Sunday to talk about Portland State as they were going into the Big Sky Conference Tournament over on KGW News. For those of you that don't know, that's Portland's NBC affiliate. And we've also had Orlando Sanchez here on this podcast back when he won his Emmy over the summer and got to come on and talk about that. So yeah, he's, he's great. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, he's super dope. I mean, so, so on point, so sharp. Got got a crazy kick game. His kick game is nice up there on the broadcast oh, like studios. Yeah, but, but anywho, I was on there, and, you know, I'm always grateful when, you know, my friends or just people allow me to come onto their platforms to, to do whatever it is that they need me to do because clearly I do so many things and then also gotta give a shout out to my guy Justin Myers who a couple days after that had me on Rip City Mornings which is you know iHeart's sports station you know Rip City um, Radio also works and is in conjunction with NBC Sports Northwest where the Blazers play and that's the home of the Blazers so on and so forth and Justin is currently filling in for the morning show right now hopefully that becomes a permanent thing for him and glad I got to go on there and hopefully I made just a smidge of an impact to be able to help him get that slot permanently so uh, super dope of those guys to have me on but Portland State season is officially over as they lost in the first round to Northern Arizona in the Big Sky Conference Tournament. Was it, was it a close game? They, they got handled pretty good they, I mean you know it was one of those things where they made it closer in the end but um, Northern Arizona had control time. of the game. They had they got a handle on them early. So um, really wasn't quite a good game in Portland State favor. So season is over there. Um, I think that's all I got. Y'all got any quick announcements? Because, uh, you know, we Man, got a we whole got a lot of We got a spring collection dropping on Saturday. Talk about uh, it. Living a Dream Branding Company storefront. 1720 Northwest Lovejoy right down the street from the Living a Dream studio. We got all kind of stuff dropping. It's been a blessing to go into this business, um, you know, in conjunction with my artistry, uh, entrepreneurship now. It's, it's been dope. We worked on a lot of stuff, designs and quality, and just really taking things to the next level from a business side. So on Saturday from noon till 6, we drop in a collection of dope colorways, hoodies, shirts, jersey tees, um, neck gaiters, masks, 
the whole nine yards. And we're going to have raffles, food, drinks, and beer pong and all kind of stuff. So make sure if you're in the Portland area um, on Saturday to come through, cop some gear, wear, look at wear some your gear, mask. Wear your mask wear your and mask. come have fun. With <laughs> wear it, you your know mask. <laughs> in a socially distanced environment, we got an overhead outside. So you can be comfortable, you can be outside, not around too many people. We 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 gonna make it happen for you. So pull up. Yeah, I'll probably be there. You can just follow me on Instagram. Not too many announcements, but at Play for Par. I'm gonna be playing a lot of golf this spring, and I got some uh, clothes coming out myself. Obviously, uh, curated and and uh, produced by LTD Wear. So, you know, uh, just follow me at Play for Par on Instagram and you can see me do cool stuff. There we go. There we go. Well, let's jump into some content, fellas, because we got a whole lot of it. Um, yeah. I don't want to start on a downer. Let's start with something good. Let's start with something positive. Let's start with LeBron James becoming part owner of the Boston Red Sox by way of his partnership with Fenway. Yeah. Uh, FSG is the name of the... Uh Group, and I was just reading in that article, funny enough, that I didn't really notice until I looked into Fenway it. Sports Group. Yeah, Fenway Sports Group is that in 2011 when LeBron went to Miami, he ended up putting in a, a minority stake in Liverpool. Yeah, the, the soccer team. Him yeah. and Mav, I guess. And, and him and Mav is a part of this, and that's and very FSG, important to mention. FSG bought Liverpool for 400 million, and now LeBron is a minority stake owner in FSG. So he basically bought. His own stake from himself. Wow! In like a weird way. They, they playing so crazy <laughs> over there on the business side. Well, I, I love to I see read it. that. I was like, wait a minute. I don't think a lot of people caught that in the article because that's yeah. a straight up move. Right that's there, a play. Bro. So he he yeah. now probably has more ownership in Liverpool because of that because he has the stake that he already right. had in it and now he has the stake by way of being a partner yeah. with the ownership group itself. Yeah. That, so it's like yeah, that's. that's <laughs> It's crazy. He's a power player. In a great way. He's a power player. What do you think that means for baseball, though, D-Boy? Talking to you specifically because... Just helping to bring more influence to the game, man. We know exactly what this is going to do in terms of the fact that baseball is the least watched sport within the the major major sports sports. industry. Um, We know that... Uh, it is tend to be looked at as a boring sport to watch, a um, little behind in the times as far as the entertainment, um, down to even, you know, when we're talking about Super Bowls, people look forward to the halftime show and the concerts and right. things of that nature. So I just think it's going to bring baseball more to the, the, the level of entertainment and the level of access and, and, and promotion of Everything that we standing for and pushing right now, I think it's just going to be more spoken on from a baseball standpoint now that you have these prominent power players in position to to make that happen. You know what? I, I love that you mentioned Influence. that because I do think that, yes, it's influential, but obviously it's very disruptive as well. It's Facts. a very disruptive move being that mm-hmm. LeBron, who has taken the very strong stances he's taken politically, socially, economically, so on and so forth, He's now diving into what is America's sport where mm-hmm. a lot of people may not have the same morals and values that LeBron James have in regards to who's been the shakers and movers in that sports and who's been the consumer of that sport as well. So mm-hmm. seeing LeBron being able to do this and understanding that 
he needs to go into these spaces that don't look like him, that don't reflect him, but he knows he can still have an influence in mm-hmm. because that's where you'll be able to see a lot of change created. That's where you'll start to be able to see real equity being gained on yeah. our behalf as black people and people of color, minorities, so on and so forth. And like you said, I I can imagine a scenario where his influence starts to change just some of that general baseball tradition that we've gotten used to that sort of played out. (laughs) It's going to advance the game of baseball in more ways than just the on the field game. If if that makes sense, absolutely. You know could you, could you mean, go ahead, Spence? Yeah, no, go ahead. no, no, no. I mean, go keep going, definitely. <laughs> no, but, I, but 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 I want to ask you this in particular, mm-hmm. D boy, because you're somebody who brings culture to sports in a unique way, like you did with the Portland Trailblazers making the Rip City record and being able to create moments in time such as you did during the playoffs in 2019, where after every postseason win that they had at home, you're performing outside, and it's essentially a party outside of the Motor Center. The night Damian Lillard hits the game-winning three-pointer over Paul George. One of the finest nights of my life. It was was, memorable as hell. We were all there for it. We were all there. But but think about that. Like You had had 10,000 people out there rocking in your music and your performance super happy and super stoked after Damian Lillard just made this historic shot. Do you think LeBron can start bringing those types of elements to the sport of baseball? Because right now, I couldn't imagine there being a concert after a baseball game right now, personally. So, so, yeah, yes and no. One thing i say is LeBron has power to bring influence. This is going to be the start of something we're going to see over time change with more electrifying players such as Mookie Betts right. who's out there getting MVPs chains on you know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just so much more like us and that's the electrifying part you want to see in the game where somebody go make a catch and they ah just like, the same like the way kid, that you like dunk the kid Ken Griffey used to do back you know, in the day exactly so it's like you're going to see more of that because you're going to have more eyes on it now because of the influence that this person is attached to and has, right, you feel right, me? And right. so I think it's a long game when it comes to that. Like LeBron only has so much power, but his influence is what's going to bring more eyes and more, you know, obviously what he can do within his power is going to help with that. It, but it basically creates a cultural connectivity there. Exactly. In a sport where and, we sort of got I, culturally and disconnected. And I can tell you the value of it that a lot of people wouldn't know from the inside, from the outside looking in, because I played sports in what I would think is two of the most whitest places that I've been in this college, Napa Valley College in Napa, California, and Lynn Benton uh, College in Albany, Oregon. Two of the whitest places I've ever lived in, right? Two of the whitest places Places in this country. And that's what I'm saying. That the country has to offer. And so for me, (laughs) for me being on a team of of 25 to 30 people, I don't remember the exact amount at at this time, but I was literally the only black guy. Yeah, you stood out like a sore thumb. The sole black guy. We, We can post the team pictures and all this. And I say that to say I brought something not only on the field, but to that dugout. Some of the raps that I made up just chance. instead of the chance, instead of the but old, yeah. you know, come on, all game, take me to the... Yeah. I'm in there, N-A-P-A, You feel me? Like, I, I, was, I, had, I had real little jingles in the dugout that, yeah. that had Yo. my teammates cracking, and it made... 
them look so much more forward to the brotherhood that was created within yeah. the dugout in them moments yeah. because it was not the traditional baseball. You were you disruptive to, in you that know sense. What I'm saying? Yeah, and for I mean, real. I, and so, yeah, other teams didn't like it sometimes, coaches, would, but it's like we did it within the game. We knew when you had to be quiet. We knew when you could make noise. We, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was a Baseball di- yeah. etiquette. Yeah. Exactly. But it was a different ring than the norm. And my teammates would never forgive me. And they're going to always love me for that aspect that I brought. And so I know that is a need for it and a want for it within the game. Mm. But because nobody's been exposed to it, they don't it's, know really what's missing and what it could well, bring no, and be to the game. Because baseball is too steeped in that tradition that's just not relevant today. Yeah, like yeah. Need, <laughs> you know, it, it, I mean, it, and that's the, and that's the sh- crappy thing about it is because if you look on any major league baseball team today, there are fantastic athletes all up and down each and every one of those lineups. Facts. Black. Dominican, Fact. white people. I mean, there's tons of great athletes. I love and Tim Anderson, of Chicago White Sox. And there's all of that, like, you mm-hmm. know, modernity inside of the game, player to player, mm-hmm. except, you know, these ownership groups, and obviously we've seen with broadcasters and stuff, they just mm-hmm. are on some weirdo, you know, old school, just, I mean... In a time you know is now I mean? where inner you know cities I mean? are literally losing Little League. Things that, that was the norm. We yeah, knew everybody what, we that. Knew that we had the five time. Little Leagues in a and city. And that's what I'm saying. And we knew, people. We, we could smell it in the air when it was registration yeah. time for football season yeah. and baseball. It came like clockwork. So the fact that these things are not even there right now for a lot of these inner cities i think the time is even better right now for something like this to happen because it's going to magnify the impact that this is making as baseball slowly picks up you know in these ways that it it definitely needs to man interestingly enough like i feel that exact way in regards to like what we're doing or attempting to do here in the city of portland right now because in, in which regard, um, just route? in the just in like changing the tradition of the city in some ways, it, it's a really white, racist, yeah. um, nasty history having city, and so, but there's opportunity here. Mm-hmm. LeBron is going into this sport where there's so much room for for opportunity, and like I said, he's being disruptive, and there is a legitimate want for change. And a lot of pockets of that sport, similar to what you were talking about with your dugout example. And clearly we see that here in the city of Portland Mm -hmm. with the uprisings and just Mm -hmm. how everything is going politically right now Mm -hmm. here in Portland and and the impact that we're trying to have on a bigger scale and changing a lot of those things. So Mm -hmm. I'm comparing a sport to a city when I say that, but it just sort of has that feel. Like, I feel like LeBron's intention in regards to what he wants to do in the sport of baseball is similar to what it is that we're trying to do here in the city of Portland. I agree with you. And furthermore, you mentioned earlier it's going to ruffle some feathers and things like that. It is, but I'll tell you this, off of experience, more people than not love that shit, bruh. They want these aspects to be brought to the table. They want these moments. Yeah. You feel me? I was one of my coach's favorites. I be let's be honest, Skipper loved me. And not only was it because of what I brought on the field, but it was the wholesome content that you got around me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Teammates calling you D-boy and you know, you rapping and doing this and you you seeing your your teammates that's not from the same walk of life as you that's really acting not acting like you, but they loosened up. They're influenced they, they're, by you. They're yeah. happy and they loose and they can dance in, in their way and they can express themselves in their way and they can pick up on these jingles and feel good about it because 
that's the camaraderie that this brings. So yeah. as some people frown, like community and like it, it, everybody it, has a place. Exactly. And, and Portland it, does not has doesn't. I mean, it's, it's, it's no melting pot for it, that I, at I all. Feel like it used to be. I mean, I don't know. I wasn't. You know, no, it's I, probably more now than ever. It ain't definitely it used to know, be. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. There's still so, I, so it, stuffy it, everywhere. From the know? outside in, I, yeah, I from, think it's more yeah, now than ever. I was ever. gonna say we didn't ever get to see the gentrification in right. the real hoods of Portland, how right. we've heard about, and I know it exists. Yeah, from it a exists. perception standpoint, being that we're from California, that is very much so sort of the mentality that we have that may differ from you that's from here and mm-hmm. have seen the neg- the negative impact, which mm-hmm. you can go down the wormhole with the yeah. negative impact. And like that I, said, I, try not to, I try not to like embody that and think about that too much. I try to look at things like uh, the, my city, you know, it's like what it is today. You know, I try not to get so wrapped up in that. I feel like mm-hmm. I used to, but know? it's hard not to for it's, the people that had mm-hmm. to experience. It's yeah. a trauma there. But yeah. once again, like I said, it's, it's goes back to in basketball, the Allen Iverson situation where some people hate it what he brought to the table in basketball as far as the fashion and all of that. But look how many people he influenced to make think they had a chance to go be in the NBA with the headband and the braids and all of the yeah. influence it brought to the game. It's like, yeah, some sides of it that you could frown upon, but such as Mookie Betts. Some people think to the game he shouldn't be wearing that big old gold chain on top of his jersey and stuff. That's not tradition, but damn tradition yeah tradition. you know what i'm nah. saying like let's advance the game and move forward and let this man who making 200 million dollar contracts wear the jewelry how he wants to wear his jewelry right you feel me it's yeah. like th- these and are the like things i think will be more normalized like, within it, the don't game. you want to see these guys in their most comfortable states so and, and, and that's, and that's what i mean at the best level that they and can, it helps everybody know? be themselves like, that's all yeah. i'm saying why you think a guy like cc sabathia in the midst of all his flaws Still, every teammate speaks highly. So highly of CC. Yeah. yeah, you feel me? It's, a, it's because he brought that out of everybody: the realness, the togetherness, the humbleness, the, the ups, the, the downs, the, the, the real highs, human. The lows. You yeah, know, all humanity, of that, bro. Humanity. Yeah. That's why. So that's where that's I'm in that one. Absolutely. Um, well, let's <laughs> transition. Well, first off, congratulations to LeBron, and especially congratulations to Maverick, Maverick Carter, Carter, man, because he's a part of that, and he has to be acknowledged in that. And he but, don't get talked about. And as he much. don't get talked about yeah. enough yeah, because he's, he's doing bro. some things. Yeah, he's doing some things right now behind the scenes he's a mastermind that are absolutely incredible and there's some things that i can't even talk about that i know he's doing and doing right now and that he's putting together in a real way and it's quite impressive it's very impressive folks do your research and try to find out what you can because there's a lot of gems sprinkled in there and then like i said some stuff is just off the record it is what it is but shout out to maverick carter for all the work that it is he's doing and i'm looking forward to see what's to come especially within the sport of baseball but let's bring it back to the home team man because and when i say the home team i'm talking about our circle. I'm not talking about a football team because this football team is not the home team in regards to who I'm a fan of. But <laughs> nonetheless, this is the best story in football. And we covered that story right here on the Wake Up and Win podcast, just on episode 125. Jason Verrett, man, he re-signed with the San Francisco 49ers. One-year deal, $5.5 million. Think he got a $2 million signing bonus if he goes Bingo. to the Pro Bowl. If he goes Thank to the Pro Bowl, he can Thank make an extra million, million on top pocket. of that. <laughs> Thank you. One million for each pocket. To go do what you love at a high level. Yeah. Thank you. But what's even more to me, though, what's super dope about it, obviously, congratulations to Jason. 
Jason for being able to do that because we talked about on that episode these sort of prove it deals that he's been on for obviously not a lot of money. But even this time around, knowing the mental space that Jason is in now, especially after the conversation that we had right here on this My podcast. My favorite interview I've heard in like at least nine months. It right was now. very elite. No, no, no kidding. It no, was no, very it was, elite. It, was, it, was, it brought you in for sure. And I'm not somebody who likes to brag on my journalism or what it is that I produce. I'd rather other people do that. But I'm not even speaking on it being elite just because of what I was able to do. I'm fortunate that I came into the conversation prepared. But for what it is that he flushed out and he gave to us in that interview is what I'm really more so saying in regards to how elite he was in articulating and really just breaking down and ultimately being vulnerable and telling that story. But he also told us the space that he's in right now mentally, and it's a good space. And I think that him signing this one year, five and a half million dollar contract is a clear indication of that because He's betting on himself to be able to go out there, produce as well or even better than he just did this year and get a Mm -hmm. huge deal next season. Yeah, Yeah. all he has to do is, at this point, I feel like all he has to do is not have a bad season. This last season said a lot about where he stands health-wise, confidence-wise, execution-wise, and all that. Now it's match that or better. You know what I mean? Just don't go backwards, pretty much. And he's good. I mean, I I think that he's just going to be... He's just play his game. That's what I'm saying. He's going to give you another 13 or 15, you know? Exactly. (laughs) And and if he does that, but but imagine what that does for him in a year next year where the cap goes up and a year next year where instead of him being locked in to this contract that he's in right now for several years where he's maybe making... $5 $5 million a year over a span of two or three years. He said, nah, I'm going to make that $5 million in the first year, $5.5 million, $6.5 if he goes to the Pro Bowl. And then the next year, y'all going to have to double back and offer me another contract for a whole lot more than that because I proved it that I'm back to regular form this season. And next year, I'm going to prove that I can sustain that because obviously there were so many seasons where he was away from the game due to his injuries. So once he shows that he can sustain what it is that he's uh, the foundation, essentially, that he already built with the successful season that he had this year, oh, yeah, you're going to have to uh, pull mm-hmm. up the Brinks truck, baby, yeah, I mean, and I give him like, what he deserves. You know, I feel Especially like- after all the money he's missed out on from a potential standpoint over the course of his career because he was supposed to have been gotten his big payday had he mm-hmm. not had the injuries. I was on the way. That was on, the, was way. on the way. Was he was a pro bowler in his second year. He was a first-round draft pick. He had already locked down Antonio Brown. All he needed was to be able to sustain what he did those first two seasons for another season or two, and he was going to get a big, 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 big bag. But obviously, it didn't happen because of the injury. So for him to say, you know what, I want to chase what everybody think I lost because I was out for those years, that, 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 that tells me a lot about where he is mentally from like a confidence standpoint that he really believes in himself right now. Dude, it's redemption time, man. I feel it in like just in the whole year and the vibe of everybody. Like this is like the redemption year, man. Like to Coming go off get, of a, yeah. to go get what What's was yours? taken what from What was us, yours? From everything, you yeah. know, last yeah. year and the year. I mean, even 2019, I remember thinking at the beginning, at the end of that year, I was like, boy. 
that that year was a little rough, you know, for at least for at least for it was for yeah, me. It was uh, it was for a lot of people. And, we lost uh, Nipsey that year. A whole and, lot happened. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, twenty twenty showed you but, his ass. Yeah, huh? but it feels good, man. It feels good to be in this mental state. I feel like I'm I'm trying to get on that same type of wave, and I think everybody is. I feel everybody, you know, riding that wave of like, you know, redemption, man. Like straight up, like go get what you know you're owed type of thing absolutely you got <laughs> you know? to and, and here's the thing with that it's like you know we, we had a year in 2020 as well as you talked about 2019 was a challenging year in itself 2020 was extremely challenging and it was so unprecedented and you think about that year and then you start to think about the things that took place in that year especially speaking from more of a social perspective and you know the uprisings that took place the conversations that were having that we were having um the movements that were being created that were being elevated uplifted so on and so forth and we started to have conversations about these other things where i think as a society especially as a black man in particular speaking for myself we feel a lot better about going to redeem what it is that we're going to redeem and going out there and getting and picking up what's ours than we felt in a very long time. Because a lot of the times we have to try to, you know, I don't want to say fake it till we make it, but we have to try to like work twice as hard to secure it. That's the difference. We've always had to work twice as hard to get everything that we want. So we're on pins and needles when it comes to trying to accomplish whatever whatever it is that we're pursuing. But in that, that can sometimes hold you back from being able to put your all into pursuing what it is that you want. So now that we've had a lot of these conversations and we're continuing to have these conversations on a different level, we feel a lot better about taking a little bit more risk and believing in ourselves and just going out and getting it without having to worry about particular consequences that may come back our way because things weren't necessarily made for us to be be able to take advantage of in that way. So I just think all the way around, even on a social level, like us going after what we feel like is ours and what we feel that we deserve actually has elevated over this past year because of all the rough patches that we went through and because of, like I said, the uprisings and the uncomfortable conversations that we had to start having to an extent that we haven't had in a very, very long time. And quite frankly, a lot of people exposed themselves during that time period. And I'm actually going to transition out of a to talk about somebody that exposed himself in this conversation. And that's that high school commentator. I'm not even going to say his name because his name doesn't deserve to be said on my platform. But Spencer, the high school commentator that had the hot mic situation where you had this high school team taking a knee. And I forget the name of the team, but let me go Uh, find that real quick. But anywho, they had this high school team that took a knee. We obviously know what's going on with the Kaepernick movement and taking a knee during the national anthem. And there was a broadcaster whose mic was hot. Trust me, I know about having a hot mic. I'm a broadcaster myself. I've been through it before. So I'm not, I'm not, criticizing him for that in particular but he came out and called the girls fucking niggers oh uh, uh, because they were taking a knee in 2021 
last week. <laughs> last, last week. I mean, come on, bro. I mean, fuck that guy, first off, yeah, first and foremost. On, man, yeah, he's a... But, I mean, yeah. it's so funny. We were just talking about... It was about the Norman High School girls basketball Norman. team. And, by the way, kudos to them. They're based out of Oklahoma, and they won the state championship after that took of place. Of course they did. Yeah, yeah, they, they, yeah absolutely. But back to that this guy. That dude said, I hope they lose. Well, they didn't. Yeah, so exactly. You, so bro. shout out to them for that. But back to this guy. It's like people are exposing themselves in ways to where when people come out and say things like that and do things like that, it's just so blatant. You know what I mean? Like, these things are happening yeah, so blatantly and, because of the pressure that society is under. I ain't gonna lie. As because a black things person, are so uncomfortable. you try to hope that. When you hear some things like, that wasn't the case. Like, what what part of the story didn't we hear? Or, they don't hate us that much. And then you get blatant stuff like this that continues to prove to us that we're not tripping. We're not, we're not tripping. Not wrong. <laughs> it's a real problem here. Yeah. Off, based yeah. off of... A skin color you feel me like it's a real problem here and I, I would tell you like I feel victim of like bad sometimes wanting to give the benefit of the doubt hoping that it was a mistake or something that I like yeah, nah, it ain't nothing we missing bro we ain't missing it, it'd be that bullshit yeah I mean <laughs> that's why it, I mean we were just talking about baseball and it you know it's had its history of racism and it's like, but it's also in basketball too, man. It's everywhere, dude. It's it's everywhere, and like, it sucks because, you know, you see it. I mean, from my perspective, it's like I don't, I've never understood that concept of just. I don't really hate anybody for anything, but I mean, especially for something so stupid as that, it doesn't mm -hmm. really make a lot of sense to me. Mm -hmm. And it's like, also, it's like, bro, like, I don't know, like, if that's how you feel for real, then why, why do you like surround yourself? Yeah, why are you even in this? In with situations right that now. make like, you yeah. feel that mm -hmm. type of like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like yeah. that type of hatred. It's like, a real different. I mean, I, I I know about like feeling bad about myself, you know, and and like feeling like, you know, having like saying the wrong thing or being mean, and it's like on on every. I think everybody does, but it's like normally when people feel that way, they they look inside of themselves and they take time to themselves and they go to people that like are going to give them honest and straight up answers and they try to like better themselves as a person they don't like yeah, surround these people, themselves they with... think it's them their right to be yeah this way. yeah exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. insane That's the it's, it, it's insane man so yeah i don't want to spend too much time on him even though unfortunately today we're gonna have to spend a significant amount of time mm. on race um, because, you know, you had this situation that took place um, that I would it, say man. is domestic terrorism out, 100%. you know, near Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and I'm going to just start off by reading a statement um, from Street Roots, and it'll help you get some background if you haven't heard about this, but also if you haven't heard about this, you're out of touch. Um, but Street Roots, the organization that I work for, we actually came out with a statement, as many people are, in regards to this unfortunate situation that took place. And uh, the statement states, Street Roots stands with Asian and Pacific Islander communities. The gun violence that killed eight people in Atlanta, including six Asian women, was horrific. Street Roots condemns that racist and misogynistic terror, as well as the attacks on Asian and Pacific Islander communities during this pandemic that continue this nation's racist history. This racism must be challenged and overcome. And I wanted to just read that statement because to me, 
that's it, that's all. That's the way this thing should be framed. It was, uh, it was a racist. It was a racist act. It was a hateful act. It was a misogynistic act. Mm. It was domestic terrorism. We're not gonna sit here and call it a mistake or nothing. We're not no, calling I mean, it nothing less than domestic it, terrorism, yeah, especially terrible. being that it was a white man that did this this act. And we got to continue to acknowledge the racist history of this country. And we got to be very intentional in making sure that we challenge the racist history of this com- uh, this country and be very intentional in making sure, demanding that we overcome the racist history in this country. And to me, you know, I've seen a lot of statements and I've seen a lot of criticism on a lot of statements, but I was able to give my input on that particular statement because obviously I work for Street Roots and those were the bases that I felt needed to be covered along with, you know, some of our other co-workers over with the organization board members as well. And it's the statement I felt secure about stating here on this podcast because I believe wholeheartedly in everything that I just said. I agree with it. I just think that um, I, I don't think that because it was a white man made it more terrorism or what than a well I, I do because it was the, a racist act. Well, the thing is, a, a black man just killed a, a, a Asian in San Francisco, pushed him right on the ground and killed and hit his head and killed him. We've seen that, and I believe absolutely about it that as was well. messed up as well. But I think the terrorism aspect comes because of how, how many, many people. people. No, right. and, but when I'm speaking of more, but so, yeah, it don't make it right I'm for the black to, man to that, do it either. One hundred percent, that needs to be called out. A lot of different yeah. races that are targeting that could, these the Asian right Pacific now. Islander and, and community, that, and that's what I want All to make clear right to now because I, I see as I see I see a different energy because this was a black man. I mean, because this was a white man more so than I see a different energy because it was seven people this time. It, do you get what I'm, what I'm saying about this? Like, yeah, it, it it should be the energy that these people are getting targeted by all kind of races, and they don't feel safe doing jack shit right now, nowhere across the United States of America, and that is a very messed up problem. And this I agree happens with to you. be probably the worst scenario, but. It's I feel been like happening. for the past three months, I've been seeing this shit as a new headline and a new scenario like every, and day. every day almost. And absolutely. And, and, so. and it's interesting that you say that because that also speaks to the influence that this country still does have over even us as African-Americans mm-hmm. because we live here. This is our home as well. This is where we come from. And although we fight against a lot of things that were tailored to be to our disadvantage, mm-hmm. we still have to understand and acknowledge the fact that this is our territory as well. And sometimes we can be influenced by what has been supremacy and exactly. what has been supreme over us because of that very reason exactly. itself. Exactly. Whether this is a stem of the COVID shit the China virus that, shit yeah, from exactly Trump, from like Trump, any of that, we sometimes can feed into that in, in, in uh, and, subconscious yeah. ways. And that's what I was trying. That's why right. I didn't want to be sounding like no house person or none of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no, I got you. Very clear I, I got you. I think this is the only reason why it got exposed, how it is in a different energy where I've been seeing this and completely condemning and not understanding why such a thing was taking place, especially if it stemmed off some of them idiot comments from Trump. Absolutely. You know I mean? Absolutely. So I do agree We've with seen the like yeah, listen, the reality of it is this, man. 
we had a whole lot of black people that turned out for Trump just a few months ago in the mm-hmm. election Fact. as well. I more than somebody, we needed to. I heard a black dude in Vegas so literally to act saying, like we I'm haven't. voting for Trump. He a businessman. Absolutely. Ain't nobody gave me no money. So, so to act like black people <laughs> because crazy. we've been because we've been at the bottom <laughs> oh, of the barrel. Yeah, yeah. I heard crazy. a real conversation. And, and for real, though. No, it, for real, it's bro. happening. And, and because <laughs> black people have been at the bottom of the barrel of this country does not mean that we don't get turned out by this country just as much, like you said in that yeah. example right there, it's, it's and real. by some of the voter turnout that took place in some areas where we had a few too many black people that or, went out or, and, and filled in his bubble on the ballots, man. Or even social media, because I be feeling like even a lot of this shit be TikTok-related. It's all... When yeah. They was doing the seizure challenges. It's a bunch of bullshit out there yeah, right I mean, now. Absolutely. That you have we're to be able to by. navigate and funnel through without being overly influenced to the fact where you're finding yourself doing this and now you got young 18, 19, 20-year-olds fighting for their life locked up over doing something stupid that they didn't even mean to do or right. whatever the case. I, and that's why I think, yes, this was more directly hateful, targeted, where some of these acts, I've seen it replayed on news and it didn't look as hateful as it looked. It was a very stupid thing for you to do, if that makes sense, where this was clearly racist intentional hatred all of the things misogynistic you all, yeah, all of that so on and so I just forth. didn't want to mess yeah. up that word on the watch air, your foot but, on that car bro but um but yeah that's my that's my final you know that's all I want to say on that talk to me Spencer well I mean I this it's really you have to have the conversation about all like attachments of racism to the system like it's really hard when it seems like with the, you know, coupling of the news cycle and the way that it's set up and how they frame, it's like, it's like you start to like sensationalize and like seasonalize like, you know, a different issue or like a different group. It's like 2019 is black people getting killed and now 2020 is, you know, riots and black people getting killed. Now 2021 is Asian people. And it's like, Okay, it really, it, I, I think a lot of the times some, it, it can be, I don't know, it can, it can feel like, I mean, I, I, I don't really have the perspective, obviously, because I'm, with m- being a white man, I'm totally just like on this completely weird, you know, space of it, you know, and, and so I just see that like, I, uh, it, it's, it's nice to see that people are having the conversation as a whole of like, Asian Americans and and Black Americans and Native Latino Americans, Americans yeah, absolutely Native Americans. It's just like it's just a system of of oppression. Yeah, <laughs> realistic all the way around across so, the board. You know, a, a, any any way that the system can find to oppress a particular group of people that are from not skin color yeah. to like socioeconomic position, like. It's going, the system is going to try to find a way to exploit that. And if you have xenophobia and racism permeated through social media and news media, and even a lack of, like what you were saying, like being intentional about the definition of what we're talking about and to attack those subjects with objectivity. And to be able to say, okay, this is exactly what it is. This is what it needs to be categorized. Because that's the only way that you're going to be able to develop infrastructure to be able to repair 
that stuff. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't have clear definitions, then you're never going to be able to figure out what you're trying to fix. And so it's really, I mean, it's like, I mean, these podcasts and, and, you know, it's not, it's not a coincidence to me that people listen to podcasts now more than ever. And social discourse is, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's hard to keep up because we're like, we were talking about just a minute ago, we (laughs) briefly touched on it, but everybody feels it. We're in a time warp, time and space and, and our relation to one another is totally just changing and just according up and down, back and forth. It's super, super hard to get a grasp on it. It's really, really hard, but it's not that hard. It's, it's not, not yeah, that not. hard. We're making it harder than it is. It's like this guy fucking is a racist. You know, I mean, I, I don't use these types of words very often, but let's just be realistic. Probably one of these like weird right wing incel type you know, uh, pseudo political, you know, uh, uh, what Ashate, if you will, who went out and committed a terroristic act. And if you don't be able to, re- we can recognize this stuff, I feel like, as a community, base to base, and be able to be like, no, 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 no. That ain't this cool. This dude is fucking around right now. Yeah, like, that's some bullshit. noticing that he just bought a bunch of guns and he's totally not acting right? And like, I'm not trying to judge this motherfucker, but it's like, look, I mean, like, even like your like his appearance, you've seen the mugshot. It's like yeah. they obviously aren't put together. Right? Like, is there not infrastructure involved in people being able to be like someone around any of these people to say, "Hey, man, you're you look like you're cracking up right now. Mm-hmm. Like we need to get on top of this, mm-hmm. because otherwise people are just going to get killed. And then when that happens, once all that happens, like you were, you know, we were talking about, like why is it so such a big story right now? Like. You're goddamn right. Eight people is a big story. Absolutely, big story. Yeah, we're seeing we seeing something almost every day. And it's on like this the shit. fact that the fact that it has to get to something so egregious mm-hmm. like that and mm-hmm. terrible that it's just like, no man, we just have to. We really just have to do better. And I think you said it the best, man, to be able to, to it, like you know, intentionally like go after this language, mm-hmm. yeah. this way of, you know, of mm-hmm. fixing this stuff. Absolutely, sticking to being intentional. Um, Street Roots put out another statement not too long ago about what was that about a week and a half, two weeks ago, when Portland City Commissioner Joanne Hardesty, who, by the way, is a black woman, for those of you who aren't aware of who she is, um, had false accusations that came out on her and that were published in several news outlets, including the Oregonian, which is the biggest news outlet here in the state of Oregon, and we now have come to find out that the president of the Portland Police Association had something to do with that leak. And I think it's an, another important conversation to have at this time. Obviously, as, as we're talking about being intentional, I do very intentional work in this space. I'm a part of the Unite Oregon Coalition, Coalition by way of Street Roots, and we are looking over and really, you know, honing in on the police union contract negotiations that are happening this year in 2021. For those of you that don't know much about Portland politics, Commissioner Joanne Hardesty has been the most outspoken against policing here in the city of Portland and across the board um, in regards to our elected officials and what it is that she represents. Um, she does. She oversees fire. Um, she's the commissioner and oversees fire, but Mayor Wheeler, who I'm pretty sure many of you know of because you heard about all the uprisings and everything that was going on here in Portland. Um, commissioner Hardesty tried to take over 
as commissioner over the police force because that is what Mayor Wheeler oversees as being a part of city council here in the city of Portland. So a lot of things have happened against Commissioner Joanne Hardesty, but essentially, yes, there was a leak um, from the president of the Portland Police Association and the investigation is still ongoing. I'm gonna let y'all chime in as, you know, obviously I still got more to say on it, but just what some of y'all general thoughts from what y'all have seen, y'all seen the work I've been doing in this space. I came out and, and made a statement on behalf of Street Roots with our executive director, Kaya, saying that Commissioner Hardesty reposted and so on and so forth. But yeah, yeah, chime in, fellas. Well, man, I read through and I see how they went down. Um, Hunsicker is the man's name. Brian. Brian Hunsicker. Yep. And he immediately stepped down. And it's all, you know, just smoke and mirrors as they do. But it, and, and they, you know, they're all of the apologies and the fluff and the taking a serious look, you know the rhetoric. But this is what, to me, sums it all up. Because this was, uh, they buried it in this story. But it says, uh, the Coalition to Save Portland which runs the site, hosted a live chat in regards to the incident with the headline, Scandal at City Council. Guess who? <laughs> oh, man. That's all I... When I read that, I said, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. But the, to chime in on it, it's just... Like you said, to go back to these these real pointless, lackluster, very non-weight-holding statements, yeah. it's like... They called it a serious, isolated mistake. Yeah, and by the way, this same guy is still on the police force. Let's yeah, make that yeah, clear as well. He's not the president, down, but he's still on the force. And the guy that he seceded is that's just trash. taking over a Daryl Turner. Yeah, probably trash. until this blows so, over and move him right back into the office. And that's why I say that it, 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 I don't like to get into the politics and the talking about why people do what they do in response to some of these uproars that come out but we're we're fighting a system that's telling us that it's not a problem when this person gets left let off the hook and that person gets let off the hook then you get these bunk ass bullshit statements that tries to make it seem like it was isolated and different and they don't stand with it and then they acknowledge we have a problem within the department or whatever that we're going to take a deep look into and fixing it and it's like you idiots! Like this is what we've been. You don't need to take to a deep look. It's pretty but, transparent, and, and that's all I'm saying. It's like so now you're contradicting yourself basically because you're admitting that it's a problem. But what is the definite? What follow up are we going to hear about your deep look, right. especially? when facts like this come out that the person is still just repositioned on the force as a different type like it's all bullshit a deep look is is no room for that here in this city as a and human go. let alone on this force and you have to go you gotta especially go especially knowing that everything that's backlash that's gonna come with it they're basically saying you still one of us and we built for whatever gonna come and we got your back that's not a serious look on a problem at all to me. I mean, it's, it's a slap in the face that you uh, even write some shit know, like that, thinking that it consoles us in any kind of way. I hate to like, you know, you know, go even more deep into it, but like, no, we, we, we digging deep today. Well, I mean, like we digging like, deep just, today. just in the sense that like we talked about, I'm pretty sure we talked about this on the pod a couple of weeks ago, but just like the, the, the way that this story came out, that it became to the attention of the authorities, if you will, 
is a woman, uh, I guess, apparently, allegedly witnessed uh, a hit and run and then just told somebody that it was Joanne Hardesty. <laughs> and, then, and then he's just, now it's like a Now it's statement. in the Oregonian. You know what I'm saying? Now it's published in like, the Oregonian. What, what kind of police work is that at all? I mean, I mean that's just like, oh, oh, you know, jo- Joanne, no, but you know, you know, Joanne got up the street, like some lady saw her, like, what? what? And then he's like, okay, you got to release this statement. And then they go, oh, it was a serious, isolated mistake. mistake. Like, <laughs> it sounds like a talking? bonehead mistake to me if, if, if you were going to be as nice about it as you could. And how is that even, like you were saying, like, how, how can you even stand for that for a second to go and take these deep looks and we're going to take, take this seriously and try to, you know, unpack and reverse engineer the whole system to, man, just start firing people. Yeah. Just start kicking people out. Just start making real change. Just start, you know, to send somebody over to this person's house and ask again. I mean, if I mean, just do something. Yeah. Stop talking and just do something. And that's why us over at Street Roots, we came out with an editorial. And the editorial that came out today, and this is why you need to go buy a paper, because it's very important. I, I promoted it earlier because of the Brian Hook situation. But in relation to all of this, as I mentioned, we want the police association to essentially loosen its grips over Portland street response. And we'll talk a little bit more about that on a federal level in just a second, like I mentioned, but also we haven't veered away from what we felt like and what we came out and said over the summer. And we made that clear in this, we're trying to dismantle the Portland police bureau because if this is what is allowed to be accepted it ain't necessary to have, as far as I'm concerned. Well, no, I mean, you got to tear it down, and if you you're going to build it back down. up, you got to build it back up from the absolute ground level. Absolutely, because what it's rooted in, it's and, rooted in bullshit. And you know people don't want to do that because it's too much work, and motherfuckers are going to lose money, and and it's, it'll, it'll totally, it, I mean, they're not protected by their racist system. Absolutely, you know? and this is and why, so, so, when people, so when people think that that's, end. because to me, it's really not that out there, or it's really not you know, that crazy of an idea. But to many people, it is because of what has been normalized in our society and in our community for so long. And because things have just how things have just been. And we gotten so used to and and so accustomed to that, going back to the influence conversation that we were talking about, even with black people, because this is the system that we're in. This is the system that that operates or, or, or decides how things operate in our lives. Yeah. So it go- we, I mean, they police so, us. Absolutely. And govern us. <laughs> and they govern us. Yeah. And so, and so with that, like people think it's so crazy because that's just how things have always been. And that's how things are. But when you have things like this happen, it should let you know that, oh, dismantling the Portland police bureau, isn't that radical of a take as many people are trying to deem it to be. I'm not saying there's nothing to it at all, but what I'm saying is people are trying to make that seem a whole lot more radical than not. And to me, this is radical. What this police president, this union president did on behalf of Commissioner Hardesty because it's Commissioner Hardesty. To me, that's a whole lot more radical than saying, let's get rid of that. You get what I'm saying? When you compare what he did and you compare a group of people saying, let's get rid of that and tear that shit all down to the bottom and start all the way over. 
to me, what he did is a whole lot more radical than people wanting to not it, see it that anymore. Really, it just seemed like they really work off that, like, and we don't operate like that. We hold each other accountable, but most people have that, oh, this is my brother, right or wrong. Like, I'm waiting. It's like, nah, sometimes you got to let your brother know, like, bro, you really fucking up. I can't fuck with you right now until you get your shit together. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's never that kind of example when you hear about policing and this type of stuff happening. It's always right. they got let off or they went to a different position or they're getting paid uh, while they investigate. You know what? Some paid leave. It's always Or something. it's a tough job. It's never job that show hard. of like, bruh, like... It's a tough profession. I, I worked alongside you. They fear you. for their I, life I every day. I love you, but I can't <laughs> fuck with you if that's how you rock. You feel me? And that's what we need I mean, to see it's more It's just of. a lack of like... I mean, I, I mean, even on like a... On like a personal level like person to person like you see that all the time just like people's lack of accountability is like you know like galvanized within each other because you don't have somebody being like hey man you need to get better or like you need to you know think reconsider this and then those people get you know they get too afraid to go out and try you know to try to change themselves for the better and then everyone i mean is just like super mm -hmm. fragile and they just mm -hmm. like try to surround themselves around people that make mm -hmm. them feel good yeah and, they, and so they don't have to work to like be better and it, like that's where these systems develop it's just like Fast. just a bunch of i mean a police bureau or or, a, or an office a commissioner's office or a restaurant down the street or three dudes sitting doing a podcast it's just a group of people try, like trying to do a task like it's not any more complicated than like if this person isn't able to cook the burgers then he doesn't work on the fryer anymore Mm -hmm. And if he's not cool with the kitchen staff, then he doesn't work in the restaurant anymore. Yeah. And then you just go simple, get somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, come on, dude. It's not <laughs> yeah, hard. It's not know? hard. Um, but sticking to sort of this police conversation, um, the Cahoots bill has now been introduced to, to Congress. Excuse me. I was about to say Senate. It's been introduced to Congress. For those of you that don't know what the Cahoots bill, that is the name of the bill. I'm about to break it down for you that is the name of the bill to see the cahoots slash portland street response model go national mm. so cahoots is the original model of that here in the state of oregon based in eugene since 1989 wow cahoots has been doing this you know alternative first response thing by way of not having the police tend to mental health crises that are happening that lead to terrible statistic in regards to arrest rates, so on and so forth. And now you have mental health professionals, you have crisis teams essentially going out and responding to these types of crises. So with Portland Street Response, we kind of sort of built off of that model, the foundation of that model, tailored it to Portland, but we did ride-alongs. We've credited Cahoots all along, but just because, you know, we were able to bring that model to the city of Portland, tailor it to the city of Portland, and obviously the city of Portland being, you know, the, the bigger market out here, it caught a lot more traction, gained a lot more steam, conversations got greater. Then you had the police, the defunding of the police over the summer, where they defunded Portland police, $15 million, $4.8 million of that went to Portland Street, Portland Street response. So we kind of blew it up. But this model has existed for 30 years. You get what I'm saying? So now you have Senator Wyden, who's now the chair of the Senate Finance Committee, who is introducing a bill to make this model 
a national, a federal model essentially for all communities across the nation. And um, there's been some funding approved for that for the Cahoots bill in the latest coronavirus relief package. Nice. So you nice. know it, it's super dope. And many of you know I've been I've been interviewing Senator Wyden a lot on the Street Roots yeah. podcast, which mm-hmm. I host, which uh, which I host. Excuse me. And you know, shout out to Hank Stern. Uh, this pre- the, the Senator Wyden's press secretary, my guy, and by the way, an avid listener of this very podcast, Hank Stern up, is Hank? a huge fan of the Wake Up and Win <laughs> podcast. <up>, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I know Hank's definitely going to hear this, but um, nice. you know, I talked to Hank a little bit earlier today about it all, and you know, he's just kind of keeping it, keeping me updated. But yeah, this thing is moving forward and being able to make this model a national model. So super dope to see. Um, something that we all should be paying attention to to make sure that uh, things follow through in this regard. But but we're taking steps in the right direction. So shout out to Senator Wyden for that. Again, shout out to Hank. Hank, we got to have you here on the podcast very soon because I know you love sports. You got a lot to talk about. You've been around for a long time in this journalism thing. But also for me personally, I just want to know how the heck to become a press secretary mm-hmm. for a senator in my state. <laughs> yeah, why not? I, why not? Do that for why a not? Run that play a little while. <laughs> sure. Why not, Hank? Come talk to me about it, man. So that's not a conversation that gets had around my way too often. So, you know, I I, I want to hear Hank's story because I know he's got a good one. You know, he, he he's very experienced. And like I said, very grateful of Hank's support of this podcast. So just thought that that was something very important to mention and bring up. But let's take it back to the culture, fellas. Now, nah, let's take it back to sports because Dame went for 50 the other night. And I'm not going any week anytime dame goes for 50 i'm not gonna sit here and not acknowledge it you not being to, based man. in portland you got to, not man. being based in portland i'm not doing it damian lillard <laughs> is the most important he's the most valuable player on the team yeah to his team more in than any league. in the league, in the league. Yeah. i agree 100 I, I, I agree 50 percent i mean I agree. there's no denying that i agree even with their record he makes a strong case yeah it's like man this guy yeah he's the most cold. important piece to his team of any individual in the nba no question no question about it and he has numbers to back up any sort of stat line that any any yeah. conservative voter would need to you know what I'm saying? Justify a vote like that. Like, I genuinely believe that... Yeah, Portland he's the most clutch. Score. He scores the most points. He gets the most assists. Yeah. He, he does it all. Yeah. And he does it over Every and over night. and over and over and over again. And He but just does not stop, The man. dope part to me, though, it all makes sense because... First off, I want to apologize to Dane because... I was watching that game on TNT the other night, and they were getting ran. I mean, they were down like 17 with about six minutes left to go in the game. Over. I stopped watching. I stopped watching. I was going to stop in after work to watch the halftime, and then I was like, nah, I'll just keep walking. They're down 14. They're down 17 with six minutes left. I stopped watching, but where my apology comes in for Dame, if I had to get my Stephen A. Smith on for a second, is I watch Dame all the time. I've covered Dame. I should have knew better than to stop watching yeah, and that that game that. wasn't over. But I had something that I needed to do, and I'm like, ah, oh, this game's over. Not worth it. But where I'm grateful is that I caught, like, as soon as the buzzer 
ended right in between when the game ended and the players were shaking hands and him actually going to do the interview on TNT. And I got to say, that that interview felt like I was listening to a podcast. Like, Mm -hmm. the reasons that I love podcasting, Dame was so impressive with everything that he had to say the questions from the panel at NBA on TNT, Shaq, Candace Parker, D-Wade, those folks, they asked the right questions, but the questions weren't that crazy of questions yeah, to ask. Dame is but Dame's responses were so incredible. It was more, it, to me, because I've seen him go for 50 enough times, the, the post-game interview was more impressive than him scoring 50 the other night. Yeah, I mean, as a Portland fan who watches basketball religiously, especially the Blazers, it's not... Dame t- talks like that always, all, all the, the time. All the time. Since mm-hmm. he was probably in Weaver Facts. State. Fact. <laughs> and, I think and, right now it's just aligning for him more so than ever. Not to cut you off, but no, it seems ahead. like the reality and what he says and how he backs it up is so efficient and it doesn't take a lot it's not enough time in between for you to forget i'm gonna give you a perfect example after another comeback game where he hit them couple threes real fast um a few weeks ago so many of them you forget which one i read (laughs) i want to say it was against the mavericks but i could be wrong it was whenever he hit basically like two back-to-back threes within a, a matter of six seconds or something one was in the corner Damn near on the sideline. He but did it in, to OKC too. Any, He's been yeah, doing it. Yeah. yeah. Anywho, yeah. after the after um, the day after, I read an article that he was in, and it said how he always figures as as long as they're not down by thirty, damn near, he figures it's always mathematically some way that they can come back if they hit enough threes and do this and do that, and he feels like it's always a scenario where if they got any percent of a chance. He wants he to play through it. it. He, does, he, he don't yeah, want to go come out it. if they down 20 <laughs> or whatever. He feels like things can go that way. And so the fact that less than two weeks, it feels like after I read that, he puts it yet again into action behind it. And then I look to it down to his post now where he says, everybody claim they're a beast until it's time to do what beasts do. It's crazy because yeah. once again, it ties into what I'm thinking about the timing and him living up to everything that he's saying and then his caption is that in line it's like he just really has it figured out you could tell from an upbringing you could tell from morals you could tell from family orientation character character. yeah you could just tell that it's so much deeper than basketball and it's so genuine where he comes from that if it wasn't genuine shit wouldn't constantly continually keep lining yeah. up for him and that's the why, way that they are. You feel me? And, and it's so real. Funny. That's no, why I said it felt like the podcast. Just mm-hmm. hearing him talk, it's like, am I from, listening to Damon on TNT four, four or am I ago. listening to him on Wake Up and Win? Four wind? years ago, <laughs> him sitting on his couch. Or, yeah. or a million dollars worth of game. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Four years ago, we was hearing him just minimally, but he would talk about being a you know, not getting the due respect. He was, I felt like the Devin Booker at the time that Devin Booker yeah, is when yeah, it comes yeah. to the most disrespected player as far as getting the respect. Now, you can't go anywhere without hearing Dame. He's undeniable. Hulu doesn't just have live sports. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> it's music. His, him, hitting a game, him, hitting a game, <laughs> him hitting a game winner every week. His all-star game antics for the last two years in a row now. Yeah, he he came off and hit 17 or something last year. So, 
I'm saying maybe 21, but I'm saying all this to say he's been so consistent, not only through his words, but his actions, down to even him saying about his teammates and shit, the character. If somebody mess up and we lose, I'm never going to blame them or go publicly and say that. I'm always going to ride with my coach. And if we lose, I'm never going to blame myself for the loss. Period. I'm not doing none of that. You feel me? I'm going to stay true to me. I'm going to bounce back. I'm going to come back and continue to be the person I am. But I'm never going to belittle somebody and I'm never going to take full blame for nothing that transpires. You feel me? And he continues to act on that. And I, you can't knock it. You feel yeah. me? Yeah, being, you know, you got to be as real as you can all the time. And that's why Dame is so, you know, like, I, I, it's such a cliche sports term, but why he's captured the hearts yeah, of sports fans sure is did. because, you know, he just keeps it 100% real all the time. And like, and like we're talking about, like, the reason why people like podcasts is because they want to hear people say real things because we just get flooded with fake yeah. constantly. Constantly. And Dame. Ain't nothing <laughs> fake about that man over there. <laughs> nothing. And you realest can't cat deny in the league. He's the realest in the league. Numbers never lie. <laughs> that guy puts up numbers. Every day. His oh, clutch man. numbers. Every 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 clutch every, stat. Yeah. He's number one. Mm-hmm. Career high. Like mm-hmm. this guy. Anytime you, they keep arguing that you go the gold over Steph, you know that you made some noise. Period. You went from being an underdog to being arguably the best point guard in the league. Yeah. For yeah. sure, the most valuable to your team. Yeah. Hey, shout out to Dallas, man. Honestly, like it I would said. be dope for Dame to win MVP this year and for LeBron to win Defensive Player of the Year this year. That way, it's like, cool, these two guys get these two things that they've deserved for better part of a decade now. I got a question, though. Like, because you did make a statement earlier in regards to da- Damian Lillard being the most important individual to his team in the league, and I think that does support an MVP case for Dame. Do I think he's going to win it? Probably not, but no. I do I think he's in a conversation? Absolutely. I bet, I bet, I bet. I, I'm willing to bet my money this year out of all years. I think he's going to win it. I think he's going to win it. Like, to where I think the You just said you didn't really want to bet no more, bro. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, if I had to talk about who, if it was odds on the top five players we think will win, I think the odds would favor him the most. Yeah, I don't out of any other year, for sure. That, for sure. I think yeah. he's going to win it this year. I you think, think he's going to win MVP? I think wow, that's all wax, that's I think he's going to win. I believe. I believe What's that 73-minute mark? What we is that? We got him. What yeah, does that mean him. for the league and the, MV- and the MVP conversation if he does? I think it makes the league stronger. I think it's what Jalen Rose was just barking about what a week and a half ago. You yeah, and I talked parody. about that on a... The small markets are coming. There needs to be more homogeny in the league at, as that it already is. I mean, on any given night, it's it's a damn shame that a lot of cats can't go see Dame do his thing every night unless you want to pay for the league pass or they don't get as many national games or you don't get to see the mashup, matchups on national TV. It's like, bro... The fans, they are really dictating at the end of the day. And honestly, you know what? Actually, I I scarcely say this, but the media in basketball in particular keeps it pretty realistic, and they kind of have... The, the the finger on the pulse of what is really happening I in think, the league. I think it's going like to be... What the best I, product is night to night. It's going to be a win for Portland, too. A humongous win. The league and all that, yeah, but 
I don't see a, a, a championship ring in any site anytime soon, but an MVP for their yeah. guy, you know what I mean? Especially, that, would, I, that would be major, Especially bro. in a year where... All of this is... That, that, Portland bro, has, I, I would they say need this. something to celebrate, This is bro. what I would say. I Damn. think with everything I'm that... Serious. I think Stephen A. playing a huge role in this, obviously, with the comments that he made because he's just that big of a figure now, but... Portland might be the most alienated fan base in the NBA. One hundred percent. And the reason and I, I say I'm that, I'm a homer, and I still tell objectively though. And, and yeah, and the reason I say that is because it ain't like Portland is getting criticized because they're a bad team. They've been to the playoffs the last seven years. Eight. That's very, very, very and difficult to do. As a franchise, two thirds of the league. Yeah, like as a franchise, obviously Dame leading the charge. But as a franchise, this team has meant a lot to the league historically. As you said, as Jalen Rose talked about as well, the product that they continue to put out there that yeah. plays at or near the top of the league yeah. year in and year their out because they are their margins, everything I mean, even down to everything stadium. they have done a lot for the nba in the, regards the to the product that they do put out there and i know yeah. you know being a being here in the market and being somebody that like i said has covered the blazers works in sports media in the market we tend to be portland's we tend to critique portland pretty hard as well just because you want to see more for this city. Not the city hard is enough, eager. Fans. The city Not is eager enough. and wants a lot more as well. We and and so does more. Dame, clearly. But I think on a on the grand scheme of things, the Portland fan base is the most alienated fan base in the NBA. And that goes into the hate that Dame has gotten where he's been, you know, LeBron has come out and said, Dame, you know, he said initially he said Devin Booker's the most uh, what he say? He was the most disrespected player in the league, and then right after that, he see, he tweeted that Dame Dollar was next. But I agree with you. I think Dame has held that title for a bit longer. That we've gotten used to Dame holding that title, and mm-hmm. with Devin Booker, it's just a little bit more fresh because he's so young. That now LeBron is willing to say. Devin Booker is the most disrespected player in the league, and then right after that, right after that is Dame Dollar. When really, that title might have never really left Dame's grip. <laughs> but it's just he's been that for so long that we've gotten so used to it, it wasn't the fresh new story like that of Devin Booker. So, yeah, it would definitely be huge for the city of Portland because I do think that this fan base has been completely alienated for all of the wrong reasons and because of the the trajectory and the fact that the NBA and the players and the faces of the NBA are making totally different decisions than that of Damian Lillard, who is the star of the Portland Trailblazers. These stars are chasing rings. These stars are trying to get to the bigger markets. And I'm okay with all of that. But now that that's become the norm, essentially, now you got Damian Lillard who's going against the norm or it seems like it's crazy that Dame is willing to stay with Portland and he don't want to go to a bigger market. So, yeah, yeah, Portland's the most alienated fan base. Um, what else we got? One or a couple more things. Um, let's take it to music, man. My music guys are in the building. Spencer Shea's great musician. D-Boy, great artist. Um, y'all want to go versus the Triller or y'all want to go Grammys first? Grammys. The Grammys first. Go ahead. Much to... take, take it away. Didn't we talk about the versus the Triller? 
I don't we talked remember. about that last week. No, I think we talked about D'Angelo versus being a solo versus. I think it can't. We, <laughs> all, all right, but yeah, let's yeah. talk about the Grammys. Let's do the Grammys. Yeah, I mean, I watched a little bit of it. I, I thought the Silk Sonic performance was pretty good. Some of the performances were pretty good, I guess. I don't Lil know. Baby, Lil Baby had a great yeah, performance. Yeah, Lil Baby was good. Yeah, that was a good one, too. Yeah, no Lil doubt. Baby I had just, a great performance. It was what about the, the Cardi? Cardi. Oh, yeah, everyone's sure about that. That's why, funny. Why, I don't why, care. Why? Like, I don't cool care either, me, man. Yeah, you know, I, whatever, I, I, man. I'm straight at 6 expect? o'clock, man. Like, get real, dude. How can people turn around and be like, how can yeah. people turn around and be like, oh, my God, I didn't know that they were going to come and have such a vulgar performance yeah. in a song called Wet Ass Pussy. I couldn't believe it. Like, Jesus Christ. Come on, guys. I'm straight at 6 o'clock. I didn't mind it one bit. But I anywho, mean, <laughs> I mean, but the Grammys sucked, man. It was like one of the lowest rated Grammys in a long time. They were still pretty good performances, like I said. But it's just, dude, it, it, it's do you really think just, the culture has done well enough in devaluing the Grammys? I mean, speaking to those ratings, I was just about to say that. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't think it was not nearly what it used to be. Sure, but in the right. hearts of, but why? But in the well, hearts I would say of the musicians, the reason, but I, in the hearts of musicians, yeah, man, you want to win that Grammy? Care about yeah. that. Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> so deep from the spectator, it's yeah. just it's it's straight up. It's like a petulant child response to be like, well, you know, what? I didn't even want to play with you guys anyway. Like if you don't, if you keep getting, well, I feel like, like over time, even though we know rejected, as artists that although you could be the singular artist, that music is still a team sport. I feel like a Grammy is the highest trophy. That celebratory of all the Dude, work that the your ch- team it's the put championship. in. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Absolutely. And that's why that's when you go point. up there, you hear everybody think this person and that person and it's people you've never heard of and never knew played a part because all you see is this artist every day and right. hear this artist every day. But as a musician, I know how important, as an artist, I know how important my engineer is to me and my productivity. I know how important the people around me who I let hear songs before they're released are so that we can make little tweaks in in different things, talking about, um, you know, even down to project titles and directions and things like that. And so with me knowing the value of that, I feel like a Grammy is and probably will always be the most symbolic trophy or signage of we the best in this particular category after all the work that out we of put everybody in. You feel yeah. Me? yeah. So that's why i think from an artist standpoint but it, it will did, always but it doesn't feel it doesn't feel valuable when well so many I people mean, have got when, snubbed and yeah, it's been so many wrong yeah. it's almost kind the of academy's like, fucked it's up not as it's not as real as the mvp or the all-star voting but it's kind of how we start thinking with the nba like the MVP needs to really be the most valuable player to their team. And, you know, the the uh, the all-star game, Devin Booker, as an example, not being an all-star and shit. It's like, uh, could you understand it? I don't know. But you've seen so many wrong takes and wrong people who received the Grammy Award that I think to a spectator, you'd be like, man, that shit another award show. It's not the Grammys. You feel That's me? Cool. Like, I remember our families and shit used to be looking Hell forward yeah. to the grant. Like that was a big yeah, thing. Yeah, well, I used to watch the Super Bowl for music. Yeah, it's like if you, that's what you're watching. The family yeah. sitting on the couch yeah. and watching yeah. the grand. It's a big deal. The Oscars yeah. too. Um, yeah. yeah, you know these award shows. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, that I mean, honestly, a lot of that has to do with the fact that like that's just not the way that people get their media these days. And on it sucks TV because it sucks because that's true. It sucks because out of all this shit, is some. Is some Instagram profile or something that's gonna give you the highlights, ten slides of everything yeah. that you needed to know yep. about the Grammys. You yeah. feel me? To yeah. where in a matter of five minutes, 
you'll feel like you've seen the whole Grammys or at least know when we're talking about the Cardi song or the little baby performance or whatever. It's like we know what you're talking about, even if we didn't sit and have that vibe of nostalgia yeah. that we mentioned. And I mean, and you know, you can usually get a lot of that stuff out of there, but uh, I mean, in terms of like the cool moments that you like to see them live and stuff, but yeah, the Grammys just doesn't really have it like that anymore. I mean, sports has the most drama out of anything on TV these days anyway. Yeah, so sports like, is this, yes. Yeah, so proper the, in sports that's is the crazy. Best, yeah, exactly. It's the best stuff to watch. It's the best product they But yeah, shout, shout out to the Grammys. Just a couple quick one-offs because D-Boy, I know you got to head out of here. Um, first and foremost, you mentioned Silk Sonic. I think they're going to make the biggest music of the year yeah, this year. And we're and, and I'm saying that in a year where we're anticipating Certified Lover Boy, a Drake album. Mm. It's not going to surpass the impact I think that Silk Sonic is going to have with Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack. Also, shout out Spencer. You know who my guy is. Katrinata came away Got with two it. Grammys. Yeah. I, you know how highly I speak of Katrinata as a producer. I think, to me, he's like the hottest in the game right now just as far as his ability to consistently make great music and uh and i mean and i mean i, I, I black people are dance and electronic yeah music, so, so, so to see it come back to the culture yeah. is a very yeah. he's a very important figure yeah, in that man. regard yeah, Make, makes a lot of sense yeah. um shout out to verses and their deal with triller they'll now be with triller but the dopest part and we talked about this, and we're going to continue talking about this equity conversation. All 43 artists that have been a part of Versus have shares in this Versus and Triller partnership. So they all have some stake in this partnership, which I think is really That's dope. Super it's really important when it comes to updated and relevant and business models in the way that they should be figured out in today's day and age or how they should start to be repaired from messed up models that we've seen in the past, i.e. the Dave Chappelle conversation that we've all yeah. had on this podcast. And I also brought that up, you know, with, with Brian Hooks on the last episode. So um, salute to Swizz, salute to Tim. I'm still a huge fan of Versus and I'll be following the journey as it now transitions over to Triller. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, and everything in between, we are going to leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and, and go, go in. in.